0: Carlson,
1: Carlson. Där är den bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson. Hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson,
0: Carlson. Ingen faktiskt ingen annan Carlson som läser bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson. Carlson scores all me, yeah so bad best
1: Bye to the keeping carlson fantasy hockey podcast the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world hosted by a couple of guys who love going through the teams doing one player per team we're gonna do it again today while we watch game six of the stanley cup finals i am your host Elon Dubrowski, and with me for a mega episode of keeping carlson find me another podcast that's gonna do an episode like this at the end of june while the playoffs are still going with me of course to go over a player from every single team that we think had the most surprising season it's the fantasy hockey robot the Bah of prognostication the ipp mvp himself brian Com.
0: hello elon hello everyone yeah we are the crazy ones who on june 26 during game six of the stanley cup final which we both have on screens don't worry we are hockey fans while well, hockey podcasting some might say that me- makes us the biggest hockey fans uh, we are going to drop this giant show of discussion and hopefully some knowledge Information, entertainment for you, dear listener, who are doing your part to win your fantasy league next year. Or like over the course of the summer, if you're in a dynasty format. Of course, Elon said we're going to pick one player from each team. You know that essentially means we're still going to end up naming like seven players per team. So we probably should get this one started. But it'll be fun, Elon, because we're both going to talk about the players that surprised us most from each team around the league, either in a good way or a bad way. And I think this is actually a fun one for like you, the listener, to play along with and see how in agreement you are about like the surprises that we name. And if you were more surprised about someone else, which we'd be curious to hear about at Keeping Carlson on Twitter or, or on our Patreon's Discord server. Uh, yeah, play along with us as we go. This is going to be really fun.
1: Yeah, tweet at us at Keeping Carlson and be like, how the heck did you guys not pick... I don't know, Trevor Ziegris on Anaheim, you idiots. Like, uh, This is the one episode where I give you permission to call us idiots if you think we, we messed something up.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it yet, but I caught a team, Elon, where you had named a player and I had named two. And like 10 minutes before we jumped on to record, I was like, oh my God. Like, I can't believe the most obvious surprise was. Okay. I'll tell you when we get I'm there. I'm
1: excited. Okay, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and I think that this is the kind of exercise where you may be like, why do I need to think about this now? Like, if you want to, like, let's be real. If you want to, like, have a chance to win in, like, a super competitive league next year, you need to be thinking about this stuff. Don't wait until the last minute. So we're just going to, you know, reset on all these surprising seasons and obviously discuss if we think what they did this year was for real or if what we were expecting going into it is what we should once again expect going into next year. So we'll get into all of that in just a sec. Of course, Keeping Carlson very proudly presented by DauberHockey.com, number one fantasy hockey website in the world uh, they've got you know articles going on about the playoffs the daily ramblings like there are a lot of draft content now with the nhl draft coming soon it's all there and plus obviously frozen tools which i use to help prep the show it's amazing dobber hockey.com but okay brian i guess let's get into it here i've uh randomly generated the order here but we separately prepared like each 16 teams so it, it could be like five brian teams in a row uh the, the first team in this randomly generated list is the vegas golden knights did you have the? i had vegas okay that's so this, an elon team it's an elon team so i'm gonna lead us off here it's fun with this random who knows where we're gonna go i feel like on some of my teams i may have even like written things like much like this other guy <laughs> which maybe won't fit as well with this random order we'll see how it goes uh, yeah
0: on Vegas idea like the rationale for anyone being like well why are you doing it because we always go in order from Anaheim down and we could just reverse it that would be simple I actually had another idea that I thought would be good too but we're just throwing we're just throwing all the cards in the air and seeing where they land
1: yeah basically I just love doing shows where we do a player on every team and so we need to come (laughs) up with different ways to basically do that but okay we're going to go to Vegas I I'm not going to count like injuries here you know like yeah like I was surprised that patch missed so much time maybe I shouldn't have been maybe I just shouldn't have drafted him in the league that i drafted in, him in uh, you know so i'm not gonna pick him i think the one guy that was like to me like the most obvious surprise was robin lenner because after mark Andre fleury got traded in the summer uh, it just uh, it just was assumed like oh this is Leonard's time now he's like been putting up great numbers year in year out but he hasn't been that like primo fantasy asset because he's never been a starter he was sharing the net with Varlamov he was sharing the net with Crawford he was sharing the net with Flurry, and I was like okay now is Leonard's time a lot of people were picking him super high I feel like I was seeing him go as like the third or fourth goal he drafted in a lot of fantasy leagues and he turned out to be a huge bust right only a 907 save percentage plus he only played 44 games so everyone excited about getting their volume starter on by the way on a great team which turned out to not be such a great team they didn't even make the playoffs so that also turned out to be a surprise but yeah it turned out to me like i think the big lesson to me was just if you if a goalies put up really good numbers throughout their career but generally not playing a lot of games it's not a guarantee that that means they're capable of putting up the same numbers with a bigger workload and leonard you know with this injury history i i don't want to you know it's it's tough to say you know i do think staying healthy is a skill and so i don't want to like blame leonard for his injuries but also you know it's something that maybe he wasn't you know, able to accomplish, like play a full season as a starter and put up good numbers. He's had off season shoulder surgery. Like hopefully that means he's going to come back better than ever for next season. It could be the kind of thing where now going into next year he's like a great sleeper right you know people had too high expectations going into this year now his like expectations are gonna be well way down going into next year but this still is the starting goalie on what should be a really good team if everyone's healthy so to me it's like he's someone that I definitely wouldn't reach for next year but I could see myself ending up with him on some teams if he falls enough uh, so Brian what do you think about my pick of Robin Leonard as the biggest surprise and also do you kind of concur that maybe it'll be for next year somewhere in the middle I don't think he's gonna be as great as we thought he would be but I I also don't think maybe he'll be this bad.
0: I don't I like I have a problem with this narrative about Robin Laner that he's never played enough games for us to adequately judge how he'd handle a workload. Like this year he started 44 games. Okay, and I can tell you there's a season in Buffalo where he started 58, 920 save percentage. A season in Buffalo where he started 50, 908 save percentage, not as good. Another season with the Isles, he started 46. 930 save percentage uh a season in chicago he started 33 918 save percentage yeah. so for, is 44 it, is greater than 33 well i'm just well, saying like uh yeah. he
1: hasn't well this season we were hoping for that big workload and it just
0: well basically even this if it did came fourth, it didn't he didn't do well this is the fourth time he's started at least this number of games Yeah, and, and blew it. two of those times he's done well and two of those times he hasn't and i don't think it's fair to say it's just because of a of a big workload, I think, it, to me, it sure seems like there were some injury concerns through the season that all sort of, like, uh, fomented that's the right word here, all at once at the end of the season with all that drama between him and then coach Pete DeBoer. It was weird and exciting. I enjoyed following it. Uh, But yeah, this basically was an uncharacteristic season from Robin Lehner, who a couple years ago, I was saying might be the best goalie in the NHL. Uh, This season, he was absolutely not that, but he was, believe it or not, Elon, he still played above his expected save percentage number five on five he didn't play as far above it as he had in his you know more successful seasons um but better than his buffalo days where he was inconsistent remember he like came like he went for treatment because he had a and i think it was alcohol addiction or like some mental health trouble so he started fresh with long island and since then he's playing above his expected save percentage every single season, including this past one. So I know it looked bad and it was. I mean, compared to his regular, like his career numbers, he was a 907 versus his career 918 before that, only 45% quality starts compared to 57% quality starts over the course of his, um, like, what is it now? 12, 11-year career going into this season. So this was a disappointing year for Robin Lehner. He still outplayed what the average goalie could have been expected to do Yeah, but Vegas. Brian,
1: like, that's such, like, a non soulless. You know, it's like a, a guy who was drafted, like, a third or fourth goalie in fantasy, and you're like, yeah, well, he was for above, sure. like, average, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm
0: going to throw you one, one more really disappointing thing is that he started 44 games. He only won 23 of them. Like, that's barely over a 500-win percentage on a team that would have been considered a cup contender yeah. going into the year. And Vegas, I think the 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 bad surprise for Robin Laner was partially about Robin Laner, but also the team in front of him was in rough shape. And they were also doing like weird lineups because of cap issues frequently through the season. So I think a lot of things went wrong for Vegas this year, we pointed out how historically they had this like reputation as being so good at protecting their goalie. Uh, this season, they did not live up to that reputation at all. So they threw uh, the kitchen sink. They basically said, Robin, save us. And Robin couldn't. And uh, there's no Batman coming next year yeah Robin again good one. sorry yeah. all right Brian
1: yeah. one team down 31 to go so we probably okay. need to move on <laughs> but uh I don't know I, I guess like I'm still gonna f- I know I guess you don't agree and I, I think it's we, it's okay to agree to disagree here I I'm gonna stick with that narrative that I'm not convinced that Robin Leonard can be a good str- at this point in his career I'm not confident in drafting him as like a volume starter like I think like Agreed. he'll do well if Agreed. he like maybe gets a backup that plays a lot of games
0: there could be some good value next year in Robin Leonard yeah. yeah potentially I like he he's he won't be worth the same. It was a bad surprise. We agree. Yeah. I think there's bounce back potential.
1: All right. So uh, let's do the next team. Could be me again. We'll find out. Uh, Seattle. No, it's a U That's team. That's me. To me, it's like an obvious pick. And actually, it's fun because, well, I, okay, I don't want to spoil it, but something similar for who I would take with the one that yeah, we just did. I,
0: <laughs> I mean, the, 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 every time we brought up. Any pl- anyone playing for the Kraken this year, it was, uh, like, we had so many questions. What do you think Schwartz is capable of? McCann and Gord? And, like, our answer for all of them was basically the same all season long. Everly, Yarncroft at one point. It's all good. Like, it w- they were very boring. Nobody was surprising one way or the other, except Philip Grubauer, who had just a terrible, terrible year. Like, it was shocking that Seattle signed him out of free agency. They gave him six years at $6 million. And they were not on anyone's radar at all, especially because they had Chris Driedger, They had, uh well, they had Vitek Vanacek at one point. They had Joey Decord. Like, it seemed like they had a few ideas for the, where they wanted to go in net. And then, boom, out of nowhere, they get Philip and It was like, oh, oh, now we're really looking at Seattle as a cup favorite or playoff favorite. And he uh, completely tanked any chance the team could have had. And he did. Like, he totally tanked the team. Uh, I looked to see how often Philip Grubauer gave his team a chance to win. Usually you can use quality starts as a way to measure that. 33% quality starts. That means two out of three times that Philip Grubauer played, he didn't play well enough for the team in front of him to have a reasonable chance to win without playing, like, a little or a lot above their abilities and then I went a step further to see, okay, well, how many times did Grubauer string together a couple good games in a row? I found three times, four if you squint, where Grubauer was able to put up two consecutive good starts. That's brutal. You could never count on your goalie to give you a good game. The rest of the year for Grubauer outside of these, the 33% of his uh, 54 starts, um, it was trash. Uh, and this is a surprise because Group has a career 920, 60% quality starts coming into the year, and he had 187 career starts, over 200 appearances. These numbers are not coming out of nowhere. But this season, yeah, 889, like I, I can't say enough, 33% quality starts. It was just misery compounding upon itself. Every time Philip Grubauer skated, led his team out on the ice. So this was a, a really big surprise for me about how bad Grubauer played. Uh, he, like his, his, um, his expected sabers and he played way, way below it. Like worse basically than any other goalie in the league. And I really hope he can figure out a way to recover. Like I don't know if this was just a mismatch between goalie and system. But given what they're paying the goalie, the system is going to have to find a way to work with him, and I really hope they do better in the next season.
1: Yeah, I mean Grubauer was such a bust and next year they're going to need to depend on him. I don't know if you heard Brian, Chris Drieger is injured. Like he apparently had some surgery or something. He's going to be gone for like many, many months into the season. So maybe like Joey Decord will be the backup next year, a former prospect from the Sens. Maybe they sign someone we'll have to see. But uh, right now it doesn't look like there's a lot of reinforcements there. I think Seattle might be the only team we could like keep track of this as we go. I couldn't think of one player on this team that was a positive surprise. Like Every player either like met my expectations expectations or was below it uh i don't know let me know if you have a different one a different take but yeah this whole team was just a big disappointment or agreeing and yeah grubauer definitely i agree was the biggest one brian next up uh it's another of your teams it's the anaheim ducks so who do you have as the biggest surprise i think we're gonna start sharing some good news after a couple of downers to start the show
0: yeah most of these are actually positive surprises so it's a bummer we started on on the negative note but here we go big positive surprise well okay i will say actually that the only thing that saved us from having a negative surprise here in John Gibson is that we're not, we're at the point, and I think it's just worth mentioning, we're at the point where we're not surprised anymore. John Gibson, 904 save percentage this year. It's the third straight season that he's been pretty much exactly at that mark, like 904, 904, 903 over the last few seasons for John Gibson. And uh, this season, though, in terms of Delta Fenwick save percentage, so compared to, Uh, his expected save percentage, based on his workload, was the worst of his career. So maybe that was a little surprising, but also not really, because he seems to be sliding, and I hope he can be rescued, uh, whether it's in Anaheim or elsewhere. But there was a really good, there were a lot of good news stories in Anaheim this year. uh, And I think the biggest one, I mean, Zgrass was really exciting, fun to watch, did some cool moves. But I think the player who was the biggest surprise because of his recent track record is Troy Terry, who headed into his age 24 season with parts of three seasons under his belt, but nothing to show for them. Like He'd been lighting it up in the AHL, 57 points in 55 AHL games over the the course of three seasons before this one, um, which is amazing, right? Troy Terry was a fifth round pick, 148th overall back in 2015, but... Had nothing to show for it at the NHL level. Uh, Just 48 points in 127 games, only 167 shots. So that's like one point every two or three games, barely more than a shot per game. Wasn't seeing more than 14 and a half minutes a night. But this year, Troy Terry came flying out of the gate and then never stopped. In the season debut, I went back to check his game log. He played eight and a half minutes in the season opener for Anaheim. He put up nothing, but then Troy Terry went on a tear, a 16 game point streak during which he put up 12 goals, 10 assists for 22 points in those 16 games, averaging nearly three shots a game. And also for the first time in his career, seeing a fair share of power play minutes. Uh, the Ducks seem to like rotate. To units pretty evenly and like Troy Terry never had much more than a 50% share of the power play time on a consistent basis but he was getting some and his ice time rose to 18 minutes a night on this run like basically Troy Terry put up half his previous career output from from 127 games to date he put up half all the points he put up to, in those 127 games in just 16 games and that was Troy Terry's big coming out party. A lot of people were going crazy for him. There was a lot of Troy Terry trades in fantasy leagues because they were believers and non-believers. Uh, and it was probably kind of a push at the end of the day, depending on how much you paid for Terry. Like that was his hottest run of the year. The rest of the season, Troy Terry produced at a 60-ish, a little higher than that point pace. But still, that's massive from a guy who had upside, but never registered meaningful production or even locked in an NHL roster spot until really this season or maybe the one before it. Uh, So that was a really nice surprise from Troy Terry.
1: Yeah. Terry was amazing. Definitely not someone that was drafted. And I'd I'd be curious to check if he was drafted in any cupful leagues. I'm almost like hundred percent positive. He wasn't like, he wasn't on anyone's radar. I I doubt we even mentioned his name at all in any of our preseason content. We've given up. Yeah, of course. And so definitely an amazing year. And I think going into next year, I think, I don't see why he can't be similar, right? Like at this point, he's a top liner on the team. He's going to play with Zegris, who will be better. Mason McTavish is coming out. Like, you know, there's better, like the team should only get better and get better at scoring, have more reinforcements. I guess there's like this past to job who I just traded for in my dynasty league that's supposed to be good at some point. But I don't know. Maybe like next year's not the year when they like hit their top potential, but Anaheim's like a young, improving team. I guess they lost Ricard Raquel, Brian. So I don't know how much that hurts him. But uh, overall, I think that Terry is going to definitely get drafted in a bunch of leagues next year. I don't know. Like, what, what would I, as if I, this is with like no real thought, forethought yet. And obviously, we'll have a whole offseason to come up with projections. But off the top of my head, I'm thinking like 65 ish points, you know, give or take five. Like, yeah, yeah. I
0: think that's right. And I, I think actually the trick for Troy Terry next year is going to be to not get too excited. Uh, like, he, he, this year, he got more ice at five on five. He made a top line with Henrik and Getzlaff. Getzlaff is gone, right? So just think about next year. Uh, is he going to get more top power play time or still be stuck around 50%? Who's going to be on the top line? Are the Ducks going to load up? Cuz they they still they're like pretty thin. Troy Terry could hope to play with two of Zegras and Henrique and maybe Sonny Milano. Yeah, I, think, I think Mason Tavish named...
1: is hopefully someone that we're hoping will step in next year.
0: Right, but I I out of out of all that group, mm-hmm. Tri- Trevor Zegras is the only legit top line player in the like and and each other amongst that. Um so Troy Terry will have his work cut out for him, I think, but he looked pretty good. Under the hood. I, I liked what I saw. I think a lot of it was repeatable, and I'd have him around 60 points. And Elon, I can answer your question. He was uh, drafted by exactly one kick full team. So there were 31 drafts. He Troy Terry was drafted once at 248th wow. overall, Do we at have a draft of 252 people. We
1: probably don't have that data in front of us of like who it was, but please, whoever drafted him... Like, tweeted us or like, message us on Discord and let us know who you are. I want to give you a proper shout out. And also, I want to know if you like, hopefully, you like drafted him and then kept him and then like dropped him, you know, like before. You know, some people like drafted and then there were still a few days before the season started where everyone had like unlimited ad drops. So that would have been so sad if the one person who drafted him then like dropped him before the season. But uh, yeah, great pick. Someone will I can tell you
0: it was Julio's uh, apartment in tier three Frolunda. Oh, ah, okay.
1: And then how did he end up doing? We don't know. Uh, well,
0: I, I can actually look that uh, at Com. Okay, but uh, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to know it right now?
1: No, I think as a side project at some point if you get bored, but for now, let's move on to the next team. It's an Elon team. Now we're going to the Edmonton Oilers. By the way, Brian in our private DMS, I've sent you the order in case you're curious uh, what it is. Uh, so oh, that's Ed- helpful. Edmonton is up next and I feel like this is a team where the players who did well. We expected them to do well. <laughs> like I'm not going to be like Connor McDavid. What a shock that he won the Art Ross this year. Leon Drysaddle an amazing season. Hyman. Eh, maybe even a little less good than expected like, kind of made up for it in the playoffs I think this is gonna have to be another negative unfortunately I think the clear letdown was Tyson Berry right because he was coming off a 70 point season where he was getting drafted super high in fantasy it was like this guy's gonna be once again on the top power play he just signed this like new contract for decently big money like three years at 4.5 mil so it's like why wouldn't the Oilers give him the same deployment so why shouldn't he just do something similar but out of nowhere he totally laid an egg he's dunk right from the start i was like i drafted him in the cupful and you know that was a big discussion early on because i traded him for Marcia so who at the time maybe it felt like a you know a sell low because i paid more in the auction draft for barry than Marcia so went for but it was just like we saw right away that it seemed like he was getting benched more than we expected and you know that like the thing is he ended up with a sad 41 points in 73 games which like isn't terrible like it's not like not fantasy relevant you know like that's like around a 46 47 point pace which is decent for a defenseman but then come the playoffs in 16 games, Tyson Barry had only five points. So complete, like anyone who drafted him in their playoff pools was totally let down. And this was on an Edmonton team that was... Remember, there were games where they were scoring like seven, eight goals. And still, Tyson Barry, only five points in 16 games. And he was still even on the top power play. Got to imagine that the chances of him holding that top power play kind of dwindle each year. You know, they have Bouchard. They have like Broberg, who's probably going to make the team next year. Like there's going to be more and more people coming in that can challenge him for that spot. Uh, so... I think that that 41 points in 73 games next year, I'd almost think of that as like, that's the upside now. Like I would hope that if I get him, he'll give me that. I guess there is always, I guess the upside because like when you're playing on the top power play with McDavid and dry I guess you could get hot again, but I, I definitely won't be drafting him that high. But also I don't think I'll leave him undrafted. Right. Like, he is someone that might be a fun swing at the very end of your fantasy draft to hope for something, especially if you see in like, you know, a uh, training camp that he's on the top power play, but he's definitely not someone I would hold on to if he starts slow. Uh, what a disappointing season for Tyson Barry after like leading all defensemen in points.
0: Yeah. And he's not going to make it that far in the draft that I think you'll be ready to take a chance. I think someone who hasn't been keeping up on things will be like the person who takes him, like not necessarily a listener to our show, depending on your league. Uh, but there's, there's just, you know, the only thing to like about Tyson Barry has been his point production. There's nothing else. In fact, the everything else got worse this season. He went from shooting, like over the course of his career, he's generally been between two and a half and three shots per game, just two shots per game this season. So really offering you very little of anything, having his power play status challenged. Uh, so there, uh, there are plenty of reasons to not be that interested in Tyson Barry. He could, he could bounce back. Uh, like it's very possible the last time he had such a poor pace was with Toronto in his one season there, and he had a huge season in Edmonton after that. And going back the time before that, Barry paced for 42 points with Colorado in 1617. Followed that up with a 70 point season. So let's not count him out. And that's why Elon, I think you're right to say, hey, if he's around at the right moment, I could still be interested. But I also agree that if I do end up with him on any of my rosters, I am not going to wait too long before dropping him if i'm not seeing results yeah exactly so
1: the right moment in the draft is the moment where you're at the point where you're drafting players that are in that tier of like when there's hot free agents to start the year this is the group that i'm going to consider dropping to get those guys like i'm not going to feel bad at all about letting go okay so brian next up the toronto maple leafs and that is a team that i prepared fun okay so obviously i'm going to give an honorable mention to michael bunting 63 points in 79 games i mean we I de- no, definitely nobody expected that, but we did see in like preseason that he was, you know, on a line with Matthews. Like you knew, like it could be good, like Matthews and Marner. Or I guess he wasn't in preseason because wasn't Matthews. What was the deal at the beginning of the season? Like Matthews was injured or something. I know at the start of the year, like Matthews wasn't around. Uh, So that must have been an injury or something. But anyways, safe to say that Michael Bunting is a guy who was very impressive and someone that people should be looking to draft next year. Like, I don't see why he wouldn't just once again slot in with Matthews and Marner. They have him on this, like, amazing value contract for one more year. They had great chemistry. Uh, There's no guarantee that he holds the spot all season. Like, you know, they could always go cold and then Sheldon Keefe could, like, shake things around. We'll obviously have to see also what the Leafs do in the offseason, not that they have a bunch of cap space to do anything too crazy. Uh, But, yeah, I'd be comfortable drafting Bunting as, like, a... You know, I don't know what like a fifty-five, sixty-point guy, which I think he'll he'll fall to that, just because there is that inherent risk that if he gets bumped off that top line, he like loses all his value. But yeah. I'm not too uh, worried about him falling off too far. But anyways, he's not my pick, okay? So you could comment on bunting if you'd like after, but I'm going to give you my pick. And I'm going to talk about, this might not even be the player that I was like the most surprised about, but just the guy I want to talk to you about. So like, maybe I let a little bit of that leak in. But let's talk about William Nylander and his 80 points in 81 games. Like it was overall a career year for him. I got him kind of late in a couple of drafts later than I should have. And he was like a huge win for me. He was previously closer to a 70 point guy in his previous couple of years. Now he bumped himself up to an 80 point guy. He also took more shots never before he was averaging over three shots per game uh, the weird thing is that he actually had a weird final stretch of the season right he was bumped to line three to play with Kampf and Engvall. Uh somehow he still kept the points going for the most part a lot of it's still on the power play right like he's stuck on that top power play but I'm curious Brian we're talking about a guy who had 80 points this year but if there's now that risk that he could be bumped down to the third line maybe to start the year or even if he doesn't start on the third line now we know that Sheldon Keefe might decide to put him there can we really comfortably project him as an 80 point guy again or maybe should we just be expecting around that 70 ish points again also like he'll even if he's on the second line it's like with Tavares who's like not as exciting as it used to be right he seems to have fallen to be more of like a 70 ish point guy instead of 90 like he used to be so I don't know I'm finding it hard to want to justify expecting Nilander to keep it up again but I'm very curious for you to tell me you disagree
0: I like Nilander's season last year at five on five though it wasn't Remarkably different from any of the past ones, and you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't poo-poo playing with John Tavares at all. Like just because he's not the guy everyone thought he would be in their wildest dreams of him in Toronto, and doesn't get to play the starring role to be the guy that he was with the Islanders, doesn't mean he's not good. So I would get that. Idea out of your head. Nylon, playing with Savars would be a really great thing. Um, but where we want to see Neilander definitely playing is on that power play. You mentioned he was still producing because of that power play, uh, when he was down on the third line. He put up 31 power play points this season. Uh, last year he was pacing for, you know, around 20 career high. That's about his number. He had 27 power play points in his first full season in the league, but hadn't done anything like that until now. And it's been great because now Toronto has been running that like loaded top power play unit instead of sort of having that 1A, 1B that they had for a little while. So I I think that's going to be the key to wanting Nylander next season. I think it's unreasonable to think that he's going to spend all year languishing on a third line. Like, can you imagine the attention that would draw and like pressure it would put on him and the coaches. I, I I don't think that would be a tenable situation in Toronto for very long. So if he's on the roster, I expect him to play in the top six. I expect him to play on the top power play. I expect him to keep shooting the way he's been shooting, which as you said is above where it's been in the past. And I expect there to be periods where uh, he looks uninterested and gets bumped down and demoted from time to time overall i'd still be thinking that he's a 70 to 80 point player and uh, he was a really positive surprise 34 goals including 13 on the power play this season a huge huge season from Nilander.
1: yeah definitely i i just feel like it's gonna be the kind of thing where like i'm gonna appreciate what he did for me last year in could Cupful and i don't think i'm gonna get him next year because yeah I, i'll take him as a 70 point guy but if someone else wants to take him as an 80 point guy i think i'll like let that person go for him there agree Okay, so uh, next up, Brian, we're going to the Boston Bruins, which is one of your teams. And I'm happy that that turned out to be one of your teams because I was looking down the point totals of everyone and even the goalies' stats. I was like, yeah, pretty much exactly what I expected from everybody.
0: There weren't really any surprises in Boston. Uh, I'll give an honorable mention to Charlie McAvoy, who put up a 59-point pace with 21 power play points. And I think he really emerged as like a legit... Like we, I think in our minds, he's always had that upside and he's been close knocking on the door of being this legit top pairing defenseman who had some offense to give also, but this was the year he really fulfilled it. And if you were following any of the NHL awards talk, you probably saw like, you know, he was kind of like the hip top three ballot pick for anybody who was really paying attention to the stats, you know? Um, so uh, the, like on the defensive end, balance with the offensive. So way to go. Charlie McAvoy for emerging as a legit top power play option. Hopefully he stays there and this debate is over, you know, with Matt Grislyk and whatever. Um, but I think my surprise is going to be Taylor Hall. Um, and it's kind of boring, right? Because I, like you said, Elon, we didn't see many surprising things. A lot of it shook out the way we thought. But I think the surprising thing was that Taylor Hall ended up playing with David Pasternak. Yeah. And like that. that Boston made that shift. And I think Taylor Hall if I had to pick a player, like he embodies that change in the lineup. Like he looked lost. And actually Taylor Hall had looked lost for a little while since his last two full seasons in New Jersey. Since then, he's been hopping around the league, Arizona, Buffalo. But before that 92 and a hundred point pace seasons from 2017 to 2019 with the devils, not that long ago. Uh And then by the time he landed in Boston, after visits in Arizona and Buffalo, he essentially looked like a complementary piece rather than a star player. Uh Even with, a lowered expectations as a complimentary piece. Taylor Hall surprised me by how ineffective he was, which made it even more surprising when he did then step up to deliver. Like the first part of the season, Taylor Hall, 14 points in 26 games through mid-December. That's like two months of suffering. And that's on top of everybody who suffered with him in Buffalo last year. That was brutal, right? Hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, just thinking, Tay, Taylor Hall, he's got to do something. Uh, and then for anybody who did wait long enough, your patience or just tolerance was rewarded as Hall put up 47 points in 55 games, a 70 point pace through the rest of the season, which was uh, in large part, thanks to playing with David Pasternak. Like that worked well for everyone. Marchand and Bergeron didn't miss a step. Pasternak and Hall got better and Eric Haula and Craig Smith each got to take some turns being fantasy relevant too. So I think the line shift was the big surprise. And Hall as a beneficiary is great news. If assuming all those pieces are back, we're still waiting to hear what Bergeron's decision is going to be. But I'm uh, I'm operating on the assumption he's back rather than he's not going to be, which I think means I'm going to count on Taylor Hall for a sneaky 65-70 points next year.
1: Yeah, I guess when I said, like, the final numbers were, like, surprising to me, like, or weren't surprising, but, like, you're right. Like, I was very surprised by how bad Taylor Hall was at the start and then by how amazing he was at the end. It was just, like, when you put it all together. But, yeah, for next year, so, yeah, the indications are Bergeron's going to sign with Boston again. That's been, like, the rumors lately. Unfortunately, Marchand is injured for a while. So, if we're starting to, like, figure out the lines, if Marchand's going to be out, could be good for Taylor Hall if he just jumps up. Like, or I guess it's good if he's on the line with Pasternak. It's also good if he's on the line with Bergeron and, like, I don't know, DeBrusque. I think. so interesting to see how those lines shake out sans marchand to start the year but obviously taylor hall will be a big part of it and he'll be on the power play of course uh so yeah brian i guess that's a good pick let's go i guess also jake Debrusque, by the way was like a surprise for like that one random stretch where he was getting like points for like two weeks
0: (laughs) it would be surprising if we didn't have to like if he didn't force us to talk about him for like two weeks and then allow us to forget him the rest that would be surprising if he never showed up or he always showed up but this is this is how he operates it's like the fourth year in a row
1: who would you take if you're have like a last pick of your draft, and I was saying before how like maybe I would take like Barry right at the end. I, another guy I might take right at the end is DeBrusque. Just like uh, you know, he'll start on no. the top line probably. Maybe he'll get power I, play since some no out. No way,
0: you're crazy! Like a last pick, like just to take someone that will be fun to see if, if he can start. Tyson hot. Barry, potential power play one quarterback in Edmonton, is on the board. Former seventy point player, basically, his only use to the team is to manage that power play. Uh, I would go Tyson Barry over Jake DeBrusque. I'm really low on Barry, but fair. That's <laughs> Clearly.
1: Cool. Okay, uh, Detroit is next, which is another Brian team. I recently talked with uh, Prashant Thayer all about the Red Wings. I loved that interview. Definitely everyone should go check it out. A lot of good fantasy tidbits there. And also one fun thing about that interview is I had listened to the previous interview from last year, and he just got so much right. Like, he was like the oracle for the Red Wings. I don't see why we shouldn't expect it to be the same. So if you just want to know what's going to happen for the Red Wings next year, listen to that interview. But Brian, who's your pick for the Red Wing that's surprised you the most.
0: Well, I'm saying this without the uh, the foresight of having listened to this year's 32 beats episode with Prashanth yet. I need to mow my lawn, and when I do that, I'm gonna that's that's my 32 beats time. Uh, so I'll get there. So without having heard that, you can feel free to correct me, Ilana. I'm gonna say my big surprise of the season in Detroit. Honorable mention to M- M- Maurice Sider, who surprised only me because I thought he was gonna be like Adam Larson this year. I'm gonna call myself on that. Well, no, actually, uh, it is fair. We did discuss us in
1: the interview how even prashanth who was like the biggest cider fan was like surprised by how amazing cider was
0: great that makes me feel better so good i'm glad because i did listen to that last one that's where i got a lot of my okay um but dylan larkin is my biggest positive surprise or biggest surprise period in detroit i guess i could also say nadalkovich being like so up and down but we really didn't know what to expect but dylan larkin was surprising, because we've seen him be amazing before. In 2018-19, he put up the 79-point pace, but since then, he's fizzled. and Most recently, uh, beyond fizzled, Dylan Larkin like, failed completely in 2020-21, just 23 points in 44 games, barely a half point per game pace. I see reasons for that in his percentages, like his 5 on 5 on ice shooting percentage was below 5%, which is preposterous, but still, it was kind of unforgivable. Uh, but it's hard not to forgive Dylan Lycan when he stepped up the way he did this year with 31 goals, 38 assists, and 69 points in 71 games for an 80-point pace. And he did this, by the way, with the fewest minutes that he's seen since his sophomore season in 2016-17. Uh, while he had the fewest minutes he's seen, I think he had the best linemates he's had. You know, his best line mate to date was basically Anthony Mantha, who we know has been sort of up and down but this year he got Lucas Raymond and Tyler Bertuzzi on line one and I think that really helped Dylan Larkin Uh, I am gonna say that I would be surprised if Dylan Larkin did this again Next year, though, his five on five shooting percentage was double his career number with no big change in his expected goals. So like he's basically made a career like you could set your watch to Dylan Larkin shooting at seven percent his whole career, like almost no fluctuations from it. This year, he shot 14 percent at five on five with no apparent change in like the quality of his shots. So this season, Dylan Larkin had about 25 goals at five on five this year. Expecting that again next year wouldn't be a great idea, in my opinion. So I'm not going to put him down for 80 points. I think I'll put him down for 65 or 70. But it's still a huge step forward from the barely half point per game pace he was putting up uh, that we were talking about a year ago at this time. Also, we got to see what the new coach, who the new coach is and what they want to do with Dylan and I think that'll play a role in how he does as well
1: well yeah and also we have to see what they do in the off offseason Detroit has a lot of cap space they can either go for it and like sign some superstar or they can you know tank for Bedard and you know have another hopefully rough season if they go that way you know try to get like a really awesome pick and not only Bedard there's a lot of really good picks in 2023 apparently uh but yeah I mean I guess the one reason you could say that maybe he'll be able to make up for a little bit of regression with that shooting percentage would be that the players around him might be better right like like Raymond will not be will be a sophomore like side you know also like maybe they he could just set better people around him
0: yeah i mean they were already pretty good and there's been rumors that bertuzzi's on the way out but likely they'd replace him for somebody as good you're right raymond insider can take a step forward but i don't think that he was without quality line mates this season oh for
1: sure so well i mean yeah. that's why he had a career year i'm sure it definitely yeah. helped uh, so we'll have to see, yeah, Verona also maybe being around for whole season. We'll have to see. I mean, I, def- I don't know. When you say 65 for – or you said 65 to 70, that might be a little yeah. low for me. I think I'd probably expect more like 75. But I, maybe I'm just like now nitpicking. So let's go to the next team here in LA, okay? So this is one of my teams. Uh, I was kind of wavering. I could have gone with Trevor Moore. I definitely was surprised that he was a 50-point guy. And even like, you know, paced for a lot higher than that for like that second half of the year. Like it was kind of the typical Trevor Moore to start the year. And then all of a sudden became not like a superstar but you know like a really valuable guy in fantasy like a guy who was like rostered in most leagues so that was surprising but uh I don't know. I don't really want to talk about him. Instead, let's talk, Let's go negative. Let's talk about another goalie who disappointed us in Cal Peterson. Okay? Like, he. this is a guy who had great numbers in his first 54 games in the league over the previous three seasons. We all kind of expected this was the year that Peterson was officially going to take over from Jonathan Quick and be, if not like the volume starter, or at least like the 1A. And it just like did not work out that way at all. Right? Like in the end, Peterson like struggled out of the gate. He ended the season with only an 895 save percentage, only played 37 games, Quick played played 46 uh was much better like i guess he faltered a bit at the end but quick was like a 9 10 goalie uh so now going into next year like in ben's interview that he did with andrew Knoll about the kings last week uh andrew was saying that he thinks like at least on opening night quick is going to be the starter which is like i don't think was the case last year you know so i just feel like a big step back for cal peterson and he's like about to start a contract of like five million a year like you know it's about to click in So a lot of people in like dynasty leagues now i guess have to decide if they're going to keep him or, or let him go i'm one of those people i think i'm going to keep him and hope for the best but yeah really disappointing season for cal peterson la is looking like they're on the up right like we didn't even expect them to be a playoff team going into the year all of a sudden they were and they have like so many good young players that cal peterson could be like super valuable in fantasy. jonathan quick's not going to be around forever and peterson is like at least by the contracts right is the heir apparent unless he just can't do, you know do the job so I, I expect him to be better next year, but that's just more based on like what we saw all those other years. Like Definitely nothing I saw last year indicates that he should be better.
0: Yeah, Cal Peterson, this is the first season in his career that he's played below his expected save percentage. So I would hope that he gets back on track next season. I'm not giving up on Cal Peterson. But Elon, you're kind of being a downer here because I saw a really great news story. I mean, there was Trevor Moore. That's one. Phil Deneau was also pretty good. But how about... 35 goal scorer adrian Kempe. oh yeah I mean in his age i like 25 season i like to go into the year okay
1: maybe not um, this much
0: <laughs> well that's it that's the surprising part career high time on ice 18 and a half minutes a night uh part of the top power plane in which he had been before he was taking he basically beat his previous shots on goal mark his previous career high by a hundred shots and uh, he crushed his previous goals, like the, the most goals he'd ever scored before, 16 goals in 81 games. In 2021, uh, he he paced for maybe 20 goals, but 35 goals was a whole new level. And I really think he did it by shooting more. Like, I don't see anything that's crazy unsustainable in what he did. I think Adrian Kempe did two things. He shot more often and he took shots from more dangerous areas. And like he's one guy who's taken. Like I just said, Dylan Larkin added like ten more goals than maybe he should have had. Adrian Kempe added twenty to his previous career. Like what we what his previous career expectation and I think he can keep them. I really do, especially because there are two really high quality centers in LA right now between Kopitar and Dinot, and yes, Kopitar won't be around forever, but hopefully Byfield will step up by then, and Kempbe's still young. He's just heading into his age 26 season. It'll already be his seventh in the league, but I thought that was a really pleasant surprise in LA.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think in Andrew's interview he was saying how he's they they see like Kopitar and Campe as like a pair at this point, like they'll stick together, and uh, so yeah, it should be another year where he gets primo deploymento. Campe uh, is also someone who is due uh, contract right; he's a RFA right now. We'll see if LA decides to lock him down long term after this amazing year, give him an eight year deal for whatever. What would it be like six million per year or something? Probably he's earned at least, or maybe they'll do a bridge. That that's gonna be a fun one to watch and see what the Kings do over the offseason All right next up we've still got a lot of teams to go we've got 24 teams to go we're done we've done eight so far brian Uh-oh. so this is okay. gonna be i'm excited the, the more yeah. the better i want to talk to you all night and we're gonna get to the next 24 teams in just a moment after a word from our sponsors, if we have any, it's always a surprise, right, for the listener, right? We're we're cutting to an ad break. They're going to be auto inserted depending on where you live. I don't know. I, I don't need to explain to you how this all works. Anyway, and how a, old you are? Yeah, well, they don't know that. And your
0: and your and your personal interests.
1: <laughs> Maybe like um, if we were to do a survey and then send like the demographics of our listeners to the advertise. I don't know how they. You know, podcasts sometimes are like, can you please fill out the survey? It helps us out. We haven't asked people to do that yet. We're not going to today. All we're going to tell you, ask you to do, is wait a moment, and we'll be right back okay we are back brian and like i said 24 teams to go and we're gonna start in florida it's another brian team uh so brian who surprised uh, like florida everyone was amazing in florida right like uh, i don't know how many of them were surprises because we expected a lot of these players to be really good Uh, i'm very interested to hear where you're gonna go for the most surprising season in florida fantasy wise
0: this is the team where you had a name and i'm gonna spoil it if you don't mind that's okay, right? You you had Mason Marchment down as your big surprise, and I'll let you expand on that later. I'm sorry to steal a bit of your thunder. No, it's your that's team. Like, I just like, for each
1: team that wasn't mine, I just wrote a name that came to my mind. Like, you know, I okay. yeah, Mason Marchmont, no one expected him to have these like four goal games or whatever he was doing, right? He, yeah. He was insane for so, a little while.
0: Right. And the thing is, he didn't keep it up long enough to be officially surprising. And then I was like, in my mind, like, so yeah, it was great that he showed up amazing, huge production, won a couple fantasy weeks for me, I was really into it. That's great. Then I was like, you know what, how about Anthony Duclair, who had a 64 point pace, just over two shots per game. And he basically what Duclair did, as I mentioned, all season long, especially after I dropped him, was that he maintained He had 31 goals this season, uh, He had a 25% shooting percentage for 34 games. It just kept going. He was on like one of the longest heaters. It's right up there with Alex Steen's heater from several years ago with St. Louis. I don't know if you remember that one, where I was like, it's gonna end. It's gonna end. It's gonna end. And it never did. Uh, It felt that way with Duclair. Uh, He had 18 goals on 75 shots through to the end of January. Almost all of them at five on five. Followed that up with just 13 goals over his next 40 games at his normal career shooting rate go figure and was basically pretty human and depending on the depth of your league was you know kind of rosterable but not for sure maybe more of a stream and then I was like you know what no not Duclair. I'm gonna go with Sam Reinhardt and like do you like he had an 86 point pace this season yeah
1: and that was with like a lot of it from the third line right like a lot of uh, in the preseason we're like oh no it's not gonna be great for Reinhardt if he's not playing with Hubert Doe or Barkov it didn't matter yeah
0: So in my notes, I actually called him the reverse Timo Meyer because Timo Meyer had such a great job producing without being on the top power play, but having a great five-on-five situation. Reinhardt did the the flip side. He had a terrible five-on-five situation. Well, not not terrible. terrible. (laughs) He got to play with Mason (laughs) Marchments. Yeah, suboptimal, given the talent in the top six, but had an excellent top power play uh, situation. Like, Reinhardt, basically, he's putting up 60-point seasons in Buffalo, which... I mean, after talking about Taylor Hall and everyone else there, that basically is 90 points anywhere else, right? If you could put up 60 points on those Buffalo teams. And Reinhardt came to Florida, saw a lesser role, seeing fewer than 18 minutes a night for the first time in four seasons. But he did well with anyone he played with, but was seeing mostly third-line minutes. But it was kind of like William Nylander. It didn't matter where he played at 5-on-5 because he feasted on the power play. Sam Reinhardt with 31 power play points, which was a a big step up on his career, thanks to shooting 40% on the power play uh so he picked up 16 power play goals not sure that'll last i would i don't know i'll expect another 86 points from sam reinhardt if he does manage to uh stay on the top power play and keeps the same like third line deployment so there's reinhardt and then 10 minutes before the show i was like i don't think either of these guys are the best surprises on florida i think the biggest surprise on florida is actually sergey Bobrovsky. and then to to corroborate this because it sounds a little crazy now, but to go back about how we felt about Bob at the start of the year, I went to our cuckooful ADPs. By the way, Julio's apartment finished ninth, the guy who and, and he did hold um, Troy Terry all season long from go. start to finish. So he got him, didn't make it to the playoffs, but good job. Yeah, tier three's tough. Um, <laughs> but I went to our cuckooful ADPs, keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, kkupfl.com, and uh, Bobrovsky was drafted 168th overall on average. Elon where do you think Spencer Knight was drafted like
1: nearby like we blew it I don't know when exactly it was but there was a point in the preseason where like Joel Quenville literally came out and said Bob's going to be the starter and Knight is going to be the backup I don't know I don't know if this was like but I know definitely it was before my like auction draft because we did that like really close to the start of the season and I like felt really dumb like not drafting Bob because like he went like you know I think that bo- boosted his auction value a little bit but still like not as high as it should have been like a starting goalie on this amazing team uh, yeah I think a, a lot of people who were drafting him were just like, like over the whole off season. It just seemed like after last year when Bob struggled and Spencer Knight was looking so good, it just seemed like so obvious that they'll like at best be like 50, 50. And then Quenville was just like, nah, Bob's a starter. And, and like, the thing is now for next year, becomes really tricky we have a new coach paul maurice i would assume that the plan is to eventually get knight to be like a 1a 1b so this might be the kind of thing that bob's not going to repeat but it's it's, i
0: I hope we'll get another like
1: good quote like that in the preseason so we can just know before we draft
0: it would be great to know i can't see why it wouldn't be Bobrovsky, and i'll give you a couple reasons why but to to answer my quote you're right elon spencer knight was drafted four spots later than Bobrovsky, and they were both basically in the 12th round going in the kick drafts. And that shows you where everyone was on Bobrovsky coming into this year, which is the third, it was the third of his seven-year, $10 million per year mega deal that he signed with Florida a couple of years back. In year one, Bobrovsky put up a 942% quality starts, a real clunker of a year. In the second year, Bobrovsky had a 906, 8% 53% quality starts, which is like... It's still unacceptable, I would say. Like those numbers are still bad. Uh, but this year, in the third year of the contract, Bob put up a 913 save percentage, 62% quality starts, and for the first time since 2017-18, Bobrovsky performed above his expected save percentage. So these are all now. Like, at the start of the year, we thought we had it figured out. Oh yeah, it's going to be Bob or Knight, and maybe the the torch is going to be passed, or they'll share the workload. But now what are we thinking? And you said maybe, you know, they'll start trying to hand it over to Knight next year. But I'm actually not so sure. Looking at Bobrovsky's playoff performance, just the most recent stuff, Game 1 versus Tampa wasn't great. He stopped 32 of 36, 889 save percentage. But in Games 2 through 4, Bobrovsky had a 931 save percentage against a team that is right now playing Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final. So he did his job. Can't blame him for the loss. And I think that probably earns him the opening night start oh yeah for next year Definitely. And, and like the benefit of the doubt i think he meanwhile spencer knight didn't have a great year 908 percent quality starts he played above his expected save percentage too but just was not like he, he didn't feel like a very safe bet whenever he was playing so uh sergey Babrowski is the biggest surprise in florida
1: yeah i mean to be fair to spencer knight he was like 20 for a lot of those games uh and next year he'll be 21 so yeah it might just be too early to expect him to take over like i definitely think bobrovsky is there for a reason and not for spencer knight to be a volume starter for sure but like at the same time uh i could see like you know just you know inching like year by year maybe give knight more and more i think the plan is obviously they don't want to demoralize their like future you know hopefully like star goalie for a long time so he's definitely going to play but it'll be interesting to see yeah this season 32 games for night uh are you thinking it'll be the same or do you think it'll be like a little higher I could see maybe being like maybe 36 37 for you know like a little bit more
0: yeah maybe he'll creep towards 35 but I I think that's still probably as many as he's gonna play because I think Bobrovsky does better the more often he plays uh which wasn't the case for the first two years of this contract so we'll Mm -hmm. see if he can get on that
1: okay let's go to Chicago now another bright bright this is like a bunch of oh no i did la okay so we're going to chicago uh i, I have my picks but i'm very curious to see uh, there were a few that came to mind for me uh curious to hear who you ended up deciding to go with for the most disappointing player
0: well well I, you're, you're sort of tipping your hand who was
1: who was good dylan strome <laughs> was kind of good right like surprising uh, aside yeah. from him i can't think of anyone who really like surprised us in a good way
0: I remember everybody was really ready to be surprised by, uh, by Tyler Johnson going into wow. the season. He was like the the hot pick to grab at the end of year. oh, Tyler Johnson, good one, like great job. That was, go- I, I, he was next on my list. Um, but I'll, I'm going to name a player who went 25 spots on the draft before Sergei Bobrovsky. That's Jonathan Taves was the biggest surprise to me whomp. of Chicago. Yeah, like a huge womp uh so disappointing you know I was thinking I was feeling good about myself at the start of the season I drafted Taves in a couple leagues and I thought I'd snag look a a guy who's gonna give me at least 60 points 70 point upside and I was just like everyone forgot about him that must be it because he missed a season from COVID no problem though like I'm getting him in like the 10th round I'm gonna watch him produce like a sixth rounder I'm laughing uh but everybody else who passed on him repeatedly was definitely right Uh, more right than me about Jonathan Taves. Like, I just want to be very clear before COVID Taves had paced for 66 plus points and as many as 80 points in three of the four seasons coming into this one. And as I'd mentioned on the show over the last few years, he'd been doing it in like a pretty quiet, unheralded way. So that's why I was excited about the value I thought I was getting. But this season was just a lost cause for jonathan taves he pays for 44 points this year career lows across the board and my personal hell or story i should either one uh i dropped jonathan taves i'm not even kidding about this i dropped him on december 8th he'd gone 25 games zero goals nine assists uh december 9th jonathan taves scores his first goal of the season in his 26th game yeah that's a it and it's like the uh, the Michael Jordan, and I took that personally, like, screenshot here, uh, like, the meme, because, like, then Jonathan Tate scored three goals in four games, right when I dropped. Like, that's how it goes. But how – anyway, I – Ryan, I still I, think normally, you made the right move.
1: That happened to me over and over this season where I dropped people, and they were – but in the end, it still always turned out to well, be the right was,
0: choice. Well, it was, because I – normally, and normally, I would panic about that and be like, oh, no, like, I gave up this asset for nothing, and, like, I, like all the sunk costs and paid for nothing. But I wasn't actually panicking because it was brutal. Like, there was no reason to believe, even with those goals, that Jonathan Taves could keep it up. Uh, I don't think he's draftable next year. Like, I have no idea how much work he still has to do if he can or has recovered from the bout of COVID that he had. Like, he got hit really hard. And uh, I need to see him do better before I have any faith in his ability to produce again.
1: Yeah, I guess the only thing, like, you could maybe say in Taves' favor is, like, Kirby Doc has like not emerged as the player that people thought he would be when he was drafted third overall. Like I know Victor Nuno from the Fantasy Hockey Life podcast, big friend of the show, patron of the podcast. He like was super high on Kirby Doc and thought that he was gonna be like, you know, just a really great player. And even he like just traded him for like not too much in our Dynasty League. So that just goes to show that he's kind of thinking that Doc is probably a bust at this point. And then when you look at the center depth, like I guess Dylan Strome kind of stepped up. We'll see if he's still with the team. I believe he's a a UFA or maybe oh no he's an RFA, but yeah so I mean take might just get more opportunities because there's no other choice. Chicago really needs a center. <laughs> they need to get something going soon. Uh, but e- even so, I still wouldn't expect too much from tape. So I agree with you, Brian. All right, next up, more Brian. Hopefully people, the pro Brian people right now are loving the first half of this episode. Uh, we're going next to the New York Islanders uh, where I'm curious to see who you're going to choose. I, I have a, a player. I actually started prepping the Islanders yesterday before I realized, oh wait, that's a Brian team. Oh, I'm so dumb. So I could say well, some things about one player, but who's your pick?
0: I'm glad you did because I copied your notes but maybe I'll let you uh, share that player. Uh, the two players that I was going to say with the player you said, who is Noah Dobson, I'll just I'll put that out there and you can talk about him. But the two other guys I had on my list as surprises uh, for the Islanders are Semyon Varlamov, although I think that might be on me. Like, I shouldn't have been surprised. Last season, the one before this one, Varlamov had a 929 save percentage, 74% quality starts. And those, were, those are the outliers in his career. And I, I think... I bought into them a little too readily, thinking, okay, yeah, this Islanders team is locked and loaded. I'm going to stop underestimating them. And then uh, I drafted Varlamov in a couple leagues and uh, really hurt for a lot of reasons, like schedule and whatever, but Farlamov had a rough year. He turned back to his usual self, and actually worse, 9-11 save percentage, 55% quality starts, both numbers below his career averages. So that was a, a sad surprise for me, but I shouldn't have been surprised. A uh, big surprise was Brock Nelson scoring 37 goals on pace for 42. If he played the full 82-game season, this is from a guy Whose career high was a 31 goal pace, which he never actually reached because he didn't play all the games. His actual career high 26 goals. This uh, big outburst from Brock Nelson was driven by a 19 percent shooting percentage at five on five, compared to his usual 12 percent, and 11 power play goals scored with the help of 30 percent conversion rate. Um, but you know, looking further, Brock Nelson didn't look any more dangerous than he had in the past per expected goals. And now that we know, like I was listening to Ben's 32 beats interview with Kevin Kurtz on the Islanders and they, they brought this up and it's was like, wow, that's amazing. But you know, I don't think he's going to do the same thing. Uh, my big question now that Trotz is gone, like he was Trotz's favorite. Barry Trotz loved Brock Nelson, like his own son. And I just, uh, I'm curious to know how, if Brock Nelson is loved quite as much, but I think he will be. But that would be even less reason to think he can repeat such a huge, huge, surprising performance next year
1: yeah I mean it would be surprising Uh, he'll probably be decent like worth drafting but yeah maybe you don't want to like really reach for him expecting him to do exactly what he did yeah as far as Noah Dobson uh, he had just this amazing year but really his numbers don't even show like how good he was like he overall had 51 points in 80 games but he only had four in his first 15 and then Ryan Pulak got injured and then that's when Dobson really took off and it's not like you could only say oh so he's only good when Pulak's hurt because I guess like Dobson took the extra responsibility he got and really like showed himself to be worthy of having like a high ice time like his ice time went up and then even when Pulak came back Dobson held on to that high ice time and so he was like really closer to like a 60 point player for the majority of the season so I even kind of look at Dobson as someone who could be like maybe not for listeners of the podcast obviously but like could be like a decent I I guess you wouldn't call him a sleeper but I'll bet you he'll fall because a lot of people just you know will draft based on last year's numbers and I think Dobson's potentially closer to a 60 point guy than a 50 point guy if you just look at how things went once he got that increased deployment plus trotz is gone and you know he's not known to be a coach where players tend to get like a lot of points you know like so it's possible the islanders maybe score some more goals maybe you know and letting in more goals as a consequence but whatever you don't care about that for fantasy so i'm really excited for noah dobson next year like uh he uh shot a lot which you know brian i'm a big fan of especially after like over again it's like 2.4 shots per game when you just look at the overall season but when you look at like just like that stretch after pulak got injured like it was much higher like there were games where he was getting like five six like the types of things where I, i start drooling about so yeah big surprise Maybe he shouldn't have been as big a surprise like he was a dra- drafted as a high prospect, but yeah, I'm, I'm into him for sure. Uh, okay, let's see who is next here. We're going to Buffalo uh, as our 12th team here, and that's an Elon team. And we actually had a request from one of our patrons. I put it out there on our Discord, just saying, like, well, this is what we're doing for the episode. Let us know if you have anyone. And uh, Schwab squad uh fantasy hockey tidbits i believe those are one in the same uh requested uh, our best tage thompson takes and yeah i did already have tage thompson down as my pick in buffalo i guess i could have also said jeff skinner i was like super shocked by what he did i did not expect skinner to have 33 goals and 30 assists after he had only seven goals and seven assists in 53 games the year before uh, i think that don granado Like, is a better coach than Kruger. Like, I don't know. He just got so much more out of these players. Uh, Maybe, like, someone could have realized that Skinner is capable of more when put in the right situation. But yeah, you got to go Tage Thompson, right? Because at least Skinner previously had some high goal scoring years. So it was always possible he could do it again. Tage Thompson was, like, kind of a nobody, right? Like, maybe he was a, you know, 26th overall pick once upon a time by St. Louis. Generally, you know, would only come up when people want. Like, if you, I'll bet you, if you search Twitter for Tage Thompson, going into this season i'm sure the majority of the tweets were just people saying can you believe that buffalo traded ryan o'reilly for this package including tage thompson what a dumb trade you know like it was never like actually like anyone excited about tage thompson uh so maybe hey so nice redemption for jason butterle by the way who made that trade they should send him like a uh, don't know send him a gift card for like uber eats or something i don't know like i feel like you know he got made fun of a lot for that ryan o'reilly trade and i'm sure like obviously st louis isn't regretting it like they got the cup and ryan o'reilly's a good player but t- like going into next season I'd probably take Tage Thompson, especially with his contract over Ryan O'Reilly, or at least it's close. Uh, so, yeah, 68 points in 78 games. He was top line, top power play, averaged almost 18 minutes a night. Uh, now he, like, might have one of the best non-ELC deals in the league, like 1.4 million for a guy who like paced for like 75 points like you can't do much better like i guess like nathan mckinnon's 6.3 million is probably the best value like you just because nathan mckinnon's like maybe a top like two three player in the whole league and he's making you know half of what he should be making uh but yeah tage thompson was amazing and as far as next year like why shouldn't he do something similar right he's once again going to be the top player on the team i think he's the top line center without question hopefully some of the guys around him get better like your cousins and your I don't know, middle stats, uh, where Jack Quinn, could come. Like, you know, I think like, like I said about some other players, right? Like you think like maybe the players around him will only help him. I don't think, I don't think he's getting bumped, right? I'm not worried about his deployment. So Don Granado clearly likes him. So I don't see why he can't be similar next year.
0: Peyton Krebs, another player that we can, in the mix. And you're right. Like there's a lot of developing talent in and I don't know if you said Alex Tuck, who continues to get better too. There's a lot of talent in Buffalo around Tage Thompson and I'm with you, Elon, that I don't know he's gonna get knocked, although I, I would look out just a little bit. I, I don't think Middle stat can bump him, but I do think that, you know, Peyton Krebs and Dylan Cousins are both, you know, supposed to play the same position that yeah, Tage Thompson Yeah, Not next plays. year. Like I don't no. think
1: like one day maybe <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. But but not right away and all these guys, Thompson, Cousins and Krebs, can all move like they all each of them also play a wing. So like there's a lot of movement here that's possible amongst these guys. But there's there's no doubt that Tage Thompson deserves a bit of a starring role. like like I thought it was a great point you made, Elon, that no one was seeing this coming into the year. Um when I look back at Tage Thompson's career numbers I see a guy who has actually like always been a shooter, but he's only ever gotten uh, like ten to twelve minutes of ice per night and no power play time this year. His shooting rates actually didn't change; like his shots per sixty didn't. Uh, they they went up a little, which is great, but they've always been high. He actually just got minutes to shoot enough that he was able to average more than three shots per game, and. I really think like this year uh, Thompson shot 15%. Uh, before in his career, he'd shot five and a half percent, six and a half percent, eight percent. And I think he he did deserve that 15% shooting percentage, which I know is like could be a fraught thing to say, but I'm not, what I'm saying basically is I'm not writing him off as being, oh, he doubled his previous shooting percentage. I think Taj Thompson actually since last year, I'm going to go back to last year and look at. This huge spike he saw in his expected goals rates, but he still was barely playing. And when he got that huge spike, he was shooting only three and a half percent, which is not what we expect from somebody who liked H. Thompson. Is averaging uh, an expected goal per sixty minutes. Like that's a really nice number. And last year, Tage Thompson also had a, a non ice shooting percentage below six percent. So, Elon, I I'm with you that uh, Granado seemed to know how to get more out of this team, or was a lot less cursed than Ralph Kruger was, and that helped Tage Thompson, who looks every bit for real. Which, uh, like beyond the surprise of Tage Thompson producing, there was the double surprise that Tage Thompson can keep producing.
1: Yeah, he's great. I'm not too worried about him for next year. Uh, So Brian, when we did our patron cast on Wednesday, which was a really fun show, by the way, if you're a patron, you could go check it out. We had a lot of fun. Uh, We were told as we were giving updates on the game, like commenting on what's going on, that uh, some people were like, oh, spoilers, I'm behind. So okay, spoiler alert coming. But uh, Lekanen just scored a goal to bring it uh, 2-1 Colorado. So it's possible that we'll be uh, getting to a cup winner by the time we're done recording the show. And Lekanen, man, he's going to be in the money, right? Like, there's so many free agents from Colorado that have just raised their wallets. You know, like Kadri, Lekanen, Nichushkin, I guess Kemper, I don't know. Like, whatever. I'm interested to see if, like, if you win the cup as a starting goalie but like you did badly in the playoffs first of all that's super rare and it's kind of like interesting to see but also like i wonder if like kemper now gets like an eight seven year deal from someone because hey he's a cup winner you know <laughs> or if it's just like hey he was it's not because not of him <laughs>
0: but anyway just uh colorado's not even next and i'm gonna throw in uh nick paul expiring contract andre palat some huge goals especially in this series expiring contract jan ruta who is suddenly appearing on the score sheet late in the series also so like there's there's a lot of money being made in this last series by the players in it it's nice to see good for that's fun
1: yeah all right so we'll see it should be a fun end of the game we'll see if we finish this podcast first or if the game ends first because we just finished a team 12 out of 32, it's so 20 to go. Let's go now to our 13th team, the Columbus Blue Jackets, which is another Brian team. So Brian, to me, it's obvious, but I'm curious to see who you're going to go with.
0: Well, there, there are a couple good options here. Patrick yeah. Laine, uh point point-per-game season, 56 points in 56 games. And this is after, like, he'd averaged 45 to 50 points for two of his last three seasons. He had a great season as the other one in those last three. But, like, that seemed like the outlier. But Line this season picked up his game again, career-high three shots per game, 19 minutes a night, point-per-game player. Uh, A pleasant surprise, I'll call that. Zach Wierenski also surprised me to some extent in just that he really stepped up in Seth Jones's absence and he looked like elite. He looked like a really top end power play quarterback, offensive defenseman top pairing player, 48 points in 68 games for a 58-point pace. This is uh, really this is only the second time in his career that Worensky has paced above 47 points. So that's a big deal, and I'm a believer in all I saw from him, so that was also a pleasant surprise. But yeah, probably the biggest surprise here, Boone Jenner, who had had a career-high 49 points coming into this season. He paced for no more than 40 points in the last five years, And the two seasons before this one, Boone Jenner paced for 34 points... And twenty-eight points. So yeah, it was pretty surprising when Boone Jenner paced for sixty-one points this year: twenty-three goals, twenty-one assists for forty-four points in fifty-nine games. Not to mention three shots a game from Boone Jenner, who took really well to a top-line role, which we'd never seen him in. Oh, and also a top power-play role too, where he had just ten points in fifty-nine games. So maybe there's a little room to grow there, even for Boone Jenner. But he's like, remember at the start of the season, we were trying to find the top-line center in Columbus. He's been staring us in the face all this while and boone jenner finally got his opportunity and i'm looking forward to him uh hopefully putting up another 60 next season
1: yeah i mean speaking of coaches right on buffalo we were just talking about how like uh granado came in and knew how to use some players to get more out of them like clearly tortorella maybe didn't know what he had in boone jenner and brad larson did so okay it'll be fun to see if he can keep it up next year i feel like maybe probably yeah i don't know I, 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 I again it's like why shouldn't he kind of continue it if he's going to get the same role and uh, he's going to continue to like take these shots and get these minutes plus if you're in a league that counts faceoffs, he was like super valuable so uh yeah, I think... Don't sleep on Boone Jenner in your drafts. thinking like, oh, it was just a one-time thing. Like, it was clearly a new role. And like Brian said, he he took to it quite well. All right, next up, let's go to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I'm going to do honorable mention to Tony D'Angelo. Like, we knew that he was going to be in a good spot with that top power play open. Like, Dougie Hamilton was leaving. There was clearly no one else. They signed D'Angelo. So I can't say I w- Like, you can't say you were too surprised. Or, like, we were surprised maybe because we thought, what, is he going to, like, make it through the season without getting kicked off the team? Like, what happened in New York? Like whatever but at the end of the day uh he was probably still better than we expected right 51 points to 64 games for a 65 pace super sweet he's an rfa now actually brian this whole time i've been assuming he's a ufa since i guess he was like a ufa last summer like anyone was able to sign him and carolina signed him to that one-year deal but actually carolina has his rights uh as an rfa so he'll probably go back to carolina which means i don't see why he just shouldn't you know unless he pulls a tyson berry but i think he's like better than tyson berry right i think that he's gonna hold the top power play carolina is a good team and i think he's just he also had 10 points 14 playoff games he didn't disappear like barry did in the playoffs so yeah i think he's probably still going to be a 60 point guy like who's stealing that top power play next season from tony d'angelo i can't see anybody that would do it
0: yeah i have no reason to disbelieve that tony d'angelo can do that especially uh, under the assumption he can stay put i expect he can uh, step into that role right all over again we'll see if there's any off-season drama around the the rfa situation but yeah assuming he's back in carolina i wouldn't like, I would take him over Tyson Barry, if yeah. that's the question here.
1: <laughs> no, definitely. No, and he's not even my pick, all right? So I'm saying he, he was a little surprising, but the most surprising to me is a negative one here, and that's Martin Nechas. He pretty much disappeared, right? He had 40 points in 78 games for a 42-point pace. This, this was after he had a 63-point pace sophomore season. You expect these, like, young, <laughs> high-pedigree players to, like, get better or at least stay the same, not, like, completely fall off in year three. Uh, but the 12th overall pick from 2017 yeah it did just that and he's also an rfa and he's probably not going to get a bit like i'm kind of curious now like what waddell does with natchez right because like now is the opportunity if you like him and you think it was just like a down year or whatever now's the time they could get him like at a cheap contract. you could get this is where you could get the mckinnon type of contract right like obviously not the same level of player but maybe like natchez would agree to like an eight year contract like four million a year and it could turn out to be like a huge bargain or if you're the gm do you like have to be nervous that maybe natchez just isn't like as amazing and maybe you just try to sign him to a one or two year deal and like let him prove if he's worth a long-term deal. So I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen this off season. He's I think he's like very clearly better and probably a lot of this had to do with deployment, but also clearly a lot of it had to do with him not earning the deployment and not doing well when he was getting good deployment. Uh, so Brian, any like general takes on Chas And if like, do you think that he just like forgot to be good or like, like, you know, like going into next year, is he someone you would draft if he was available at the end of the draft? Because he wasn't worthy of rostering in most leagues this past year for the majority of the season, but he's still someone to me that I feel like I would take and hope that he could do better
0: i think so too i think he'd be like a later pick but i he's not someone i'd be super thrilled to go and get i think one one thing you know he was on the second power play unit which we expected But the season before this last one, he had 11 power play points from the second unit in 53 games, which was setting the expectation way too high. Like that put him on a 63-point pace, which makes this past season's 42-point pace look all the worse. Uh, So I think we need to keep that in mind uh, when we're trying to evaluate this season. I don't think it's a total failure. I think some of his luck ran out. He also lost deployment. He's playing a minute less per game, lost some five-on-five ice time. And yeah, just never really seemed to be put in a great position to produce. I'm not sure exactly what role Rod Brindamore and the team want NHS to play. But at the moment, it's not a very offensive one. And uh, until we see otherwise, I think I'd take him maybe... Like, I think maybe he's in good streamer territory. Like, I expect maybe 50 points until we see him enter, like, a really good spot in the top six or somehow get onto the top power play unit. Right? Yeah, I don't
1: know. I, I I. think I'll draft him. I'm not going to leave him to be a streamer. Like, if he's available at the end, I'm going to take a shot. Especially Chris brought up a good point in the chat here, that Trocek is a UFA, right? So if Trocek leaves, and then no one comes back to replace him, maybe that's like a power play spot that opens up.
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean, that was our whole preseason debate, right? Would NHS supplant Trocek? And I, I didn't think so. And he didn't. But now there might not be a, another option.
1: Yeah though there is like seth jarvis coming up that could just maybe yeah like he's not the same type of player obviously as trocek but uh, we'll see how things shake out all right next up here team number 15 for us to cover is the dallas stars which is an elon team okay so who this was a tough one right there's a lot of disappointing players right like not really like the top line was great but it's you can't really say you were surprised or right? like hints well hints we were just like happy that he played the majority of the season is it did, like remember the previous year he was like a game time decision every single game which made him very frustrating so the people who were gutsy enough to go draft him anyways like got a great year out of him jason robertson amazing maybe even better than expected but like you know he was a calder nominee the year before for a reason joe pavelski was awesome he was also good the year before so i'm not going to pick any of them then you look at the disappointments i know jamie ben had 46 points i guess i'm not too surprised uh radulov totally fell off right 22 points in 71 games i think like brian you were kind of into him to start the year right like thinking maybe he could be a good sleeper but obviously anyone who drafted him like hopefully you know gave up on him super. Quickly now, he's off to the KHL by the way. So, uh, congrats on a decent NHL career! To uh, Honestly,
0: yeah, unfortunately, it had to end this way, but I'm glad like i i always felt when radulov was a free agent i'm like this could be the start as you said i was still always sort of holding out hope because the way he disappeared was really odd but now i like for my own inner peace it's a really good thing that alex radulov is no longer in the free agent pool or draft pool for that matter
1: yeah uh was kind of a disappointment only 36 points in 70 games guryanov is someone who showed like flashes of being somewhat worthy of being rostered in fantasy but definitely not this year 31 points in 73 games but i guess the biggest disappointment to me has to be tyler sagan right because a lot of people were still drafting sagan expecting that now that he had a regular offseason whatever he was fully healthy he'd be able to bounce back to somewhat near like his superstar level that he had been before but like a total bust of a year like 49 points in 81 games like barely rosterable if that in the most in the majority of leagues uh, he had 13 points in 12 playoff games in 2019 20 and i was willing to blame Bad on injuries, right? And then he missed like most of 2020-21. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I was still expecting him to be like worth rostering at the very least this past season. But yeah, it wasn't the case. Only averaged 17 minutes and 50 seconds of ice time, saw around 52% of the team's power play time. Of course, we have a new coach now. Bonus is out. Pete DeBoer is in we'll see. But again, it's all kind of like depends on like, is Tyler Sagan? Like we could just blame bonus and be like, Oh, he didn't use Sagan in an offensive role, but it might also be that just Sagan wasn't good enough to get that role. I'm actually going to be doing an interview with Saad Yusuf about the stars early next week. So luckily I'll be able to ask him what he thinks about Sagan. And if there's a potential for him to bounce back to, you know, earn at least a, decent chunk of the contract he's getting i don't think he'll ever be worth that nine million but uh i'm just curious to see with a new coach if he could bounce back maybe he could be a little bit better he's another guy like Nate, like i'm not gonna leave undrafted but like huge disappointment this year of course
0: huge disappointment and five more years yeah 10 million dollars and like sagan isn't uh he, like he's 30 so he's he's not over the hill he's not young either so this could go either way. We've seen a lot of NHLers lately, although Sagan has a lot of injury history, but we've seen NHLers play really well, like up to their elite, previously established levels uh, into their mid- early to mid 30s. We'll get to a, at least one other later on in the show. Uh, so I would love to see if Sagan can do it. I just don't know that Dallas is the place for him to do it, even with a new coach like that. That top line, he's not a part of it with uh, like Hints and Roberts. Like, forget it. Sagan isn't replacing either of those guys as key cogs in the offense which leaves him in kind of like a Taylor Hall situation where you know if he's not really given anyone to play with and right now he doesn't have anyone I don't think it's gonna go very well for Tyler Sagan so I am like I'm actually really curious he's he's a guy I've honestly given up trying to project Over the last couple of years, because I just see so much potential, but there's no opportunity to actually see it play out or when he does get the opportunity, he doesn't seem to be able to show it. So, Elon, I'm also really interested in uh, in your chat with Saad on 32 beats to see how Sagan, how he sees Sagan's role looking for next year. And if there's any chance, I think he'd be someone who would benefit from a trade. It's just really hard to deal the contract that he's on
1: oh yeah i don't think they're trading him i think the best we could hope for is this coaching change just like landing him in a more offensive spot uh brian yeah I, i'm looking forward to you listening to it i don't know how lo- big your lawn is if you're like first to see how long it's gonna take for you. like his grass takes like a long time to grow right it's not like you're mowing the lawn every day
0: i get about two episodes of 32 beats in per lawn mowing session
1: and how often is a lawn mowing session
0: it's supposed to be weekly but i'm not that great at doing it weekly
1: so one day you'll hear this convo i'm gonna uh, get
0: there i promise
1: (laughs) well i'll let you know if you should jump ahead but you know a lot of them have been good okay let's go to the 16th team we've got on the docket here and that are the san jose sharks and that's an elon team and yeah to me it was like a pretty clear choice here like a lot of the players on the sharks did what we'd expect like hurdle had a really good year i guess i don't know 64 points like a good year right not a really good year maybe but like Solid Coutur couture pays for around 60 burns and Carlson were like decent like Carlson had a really good start and kind of fell off the end of injuries unfortunately but yeah the one guy who like clearly like just jumped out and had this like huge breakout was Timo Meyer right just unbelievable 35 goals 76 points in 77 games so basically a point per game guy three seasons ago we all remember when Meyer had that initial breakout 30 goals and 66 points since then he had been falling off right he had a 57 point pace the following year 47 point pace the year after that like going into this season so definitely was a little bit unexpected like clearly getting that top power play helped. Uh, you know, Evander Kane was gone. And I guess that opened up a spot that Meyer took and like did pretty well. He had 12 power play goals, 18 power play points. Uh, also, like the fact that he had 4.2 shots per game destroying his previous career highs like was super helpful making him like one of the, you know, I, I'll say it like one of the top guys in fantasy, right? Like he was a, like, he's getting discussed now. We're doing our patron rankings every single day. We're currently on vote 22. Thanks so much to Andrea. Now Joel also, who's been helping run these votes every day. A really fun, activity we're playing along with the patrons we're on vote uh, 22 right now Matthew Kachuk just went to 21 and you know part of the fun is that anyone who has votes that hasn't you know gotten the most votes in a day we like have the list and I've seen Meyer just I don't know if he has any official votes I know John Reed was saying he's going to be bringing up Meyer soon so yeah he's in that conversation probably like maybe a third round pick next year and for good reason and again this is a situation where I just don't see why he should slow down too much like I don't think that top like I talked to Shang Peng. I asked is like is there any chance of Meyer loses the top power play again he was like like very very unlikely right like yeah Eklund is coming in Bordelow is coming in, but you know like it seems like Meyer's got that pretty locked in at this point so he's going to have that great deployment if he's going to keep taking all these shots like why shouldn't he have a similar maybe he falls off a little bit but like I'm pretty confident in him. Like maybe I won't get him in drafts if people like are taking him the third round but definitely by the fourth round I'd be really excited to get Timo Meyer
0: I think so too. I like point per game pace and we saw him finally, Timo Meyer, playing in a top line top power play role for the first time in his career, and looking at his numbers, that's really the only thing that's changed. Timo Meyer finally was afforded a full and complete opportunity to show his stuff and be relied upon. And Time on Ice tells the story, averaging sixteen minutes of ice last season in twenty twenty one. This year in twenty one twenty two. 19 minutes and 10 seconds that's a three minute gain in ice time two of those minutes at five on five and then the rest on the power play which is of course really key and Timo Meyer's shot rates are pretty steady with his career record he just is on the ice more often to put those shots on net so he's not suddenly a four shot per game guy he always has been if he was getting these 19 minutes a night which thank goodness he finally is Uh, I really can't find any holes to poke in the work he's been doing he is a really really good hockey player and this might be one of the last years you can quietly get him he almost like has vibes of uh i mentioned this a lot on the show but like the wheeler lad little trio in winnipeg who you could always get because nobody knew that they were doing as well as they've been doing they were sort of like quiet names they'd been around a while didn't really blow anyone away but then they got really good and i feel like that's where timo meyer's at now with his fantasy value
1: yeah. So great job for Timo Meier. Uh, great job, Brian. So far, we've made it through half of the teams in the NHL. We've been recording for an hour and a half. So I'm going to throw it out there. How about, you know, it's a long off season, right? Like we don't need to knock this all out and go for like three plus hours today. So, you know, I'll, if, you, if you say no, I'll cut this out of the show. No one will have ever heard that I said this and we'll just continue on our merry way. But I'm going to propose to you that why don't we just like end it here. You know, say our goodbyes, and then we'll come back uh, on our next show. We, we we got all our planned here. Nothing's going to change in the you know maybe something big will happen in the third period of this Colorado-Tampa game to change our thoughts on those guys. But I think overall we're going to have similar thoughts. And uh, what, what do you think?
0: I love it. I'm down.
1: Okay, well, uh, it has been a blast. I would love to talk to you longer, but yeah, I guess we don't need to put out a, a three-hour show in the middle of the season. So thanks so much, everyone. Just to
0: clarify, I'm not sure if you said explicitly. So we're going to do the second half of this episode in another release. We've covered half the teams. Now we'll cover the, cover the other half next time. Well, yeah. What What else could I have meant? <laughs> I don't know. I just figured it was like... I figured you knew I knew what you were talking about. Anyway, there it is. It it was really fun, and I could go on forever. But let's, uh, yeah, let's take a break. We'll freshen up, and then we'll attack the back half of this.
1: Yeah, and now people, uh, I guess, can probably do some, uh, you know, figurings in their head, determine, like, which teams haven't been covered yet. (laughs) You could send us, like, who you think we should pick for, like i don't tampa colorado and the rest of the teams in the nhl i uh, would love to hear from you also let us know what you thought of the players we picked for this episode so you can tweet at us at keeping carlson come chat with us in the discord if you are a patron of keeping carlson you could basically just chat with brian and i anytime you want right you just tag us and we're, and we're there uh and if you want to become a patron we still have our summer promotion going just a buck a month and uh, we're going to give you our page you're going to have access to the patron cast we did recently uh then you're going to hang you know, do these votes help us come up with this official ranking uh you can pre- for the keeping carlson ultimate patron fantasy league which uh now that the nhl season is basically over we're gonna start ramping that up a little bit in terms of coming up with our final rules for next year it's gonna be a lot of fun discussion over in discord it's, it's with the patrons where we like hammer out uh some Brian and i've been talking about some rule changes and we're gonna start proposing them soon definitely goalies are gonna be tweaked a little bit maybe not as much as some people think it needs to. i think the goal is we're actually not that bad anyways that's all for a future episode of keeping carlson brian like i said this has been a blast uh but at this point i think it's time for me to stop blabbering let's cue the outro music and then why don't you go ahead and read us the credits
0: all right this episode of the keeping carlson fantasy hockey podcast was presented by dabro hockey and powered by our patrons including our most super supporters you're all super but these are some people who are officially super supporters: Tyler, Flash, Andrea, Tom, Derek, David, Rob, and of course Patty, who's a great uh, follow on Twitter. By the way, I think at Marine Mom Thirty Four, Just great, just funny, lots of good stuff. I think that Patty deserves to have a bigger following on twitter so there it is you know also a bigger following on twitter is deserved by you elon and shams who are keeping up the amazing stream of fantasy news uh you can find all the accounts and all the news over at gamedaytweets.com you can also follow ben and lewis at ShortShiftsKK. kk logo art by brandonweeb.com outro music by pat roach and again a special thank you to andrea and joel who are running our patron rankings on discord have taken the mantle thank you so much for doing that. This episode of the show was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, Hockey Reference, Hockey Base Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and NBC Sports Edge.
1: Alright, great job, Brian. This was fun. We've got 16 teams to go i'm curious to see if anything we hear from people will get us to change our minds or if we're going to stick with our picks that we currently have locked in i'm looking forward to doing this show with you soon but before we get to that i'm going to be talking again about the dallas stars so yeah make sure you're subscribed to keeping carlson we're i mean i'm working on getting more interviews we're gonna try to work through our 32 beats series so it's all about just like knocking out these teams basically that's my life as a keeping carlson podcaster so yeah make sure you're subscribed on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your pods get those shows you don't miss anything okay brian i'll throw to you to say goodbye tell people what they should be doing while they're waiting for the nhl draft free agency and all the fun that's coming
0: there's a lot of fun coming it would be great if you could along with us keep doing what you can do to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone